0: Hi and welcome to this episode of the Explosion Ninja podcast where we're going to be discussing five ways to increase the leads and sales your website generates without spending a penny on
1: advertising. Whoa surely not that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> you should know Tim you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so what we're looking at here is you know if you're getting a thousand visitors to a web page, then if you've got a conversion rate of one percent that means you' convert you've uh, converted ten of those people. Um, If you manage to to convert to change that up to a two percent conversion rate, then that's doubled the amount of leads or sales that you're getting there. So yeah, there's some pretty huge gains that can be made by doing some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. This is really really important stuff. So hopefully everybody's going to enjoy it and take notes and yeah, implement this stuff on their website soon.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point because this is a podcast version of a presentation I gave last week and. On the screen, I showed a thousand visitors going to two different web pages. One has a kind of typical conversion rate of 1%, and the other thousand visitors go to our ExposureNinja.com forward slash review page, which has a conversion rate of 36.45%. So, you know, the difference is there. On one page, a thousand visitors go and the business gets 10 leads, and on another page, a thousand visitors go and the business gets leads so that's like a 36.5 x difference just from understanding messaging layout and giving some credibility triggers which is the stuff that we're going to be talking about today so this actually has (laughs) a massive massive impact on the successful website
0: i mean that's that's some crazy numbers that you've got there like 36 percent increase that's amazing like i mean i i think that a lot of people out there if they can if they can double their conversion rate then they should be happy If they can times it by 36 that'd be yeah incredible for a lot for most businesses out there if
1: yeah you,
0: if you're a business owner and you are listening to this podcast episode think what you could do with 36 times more sales amazing stuff
1: yeah i mean you could buy like uh i don't know you could buy a Anything. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's one page on the website. Like our highest performing entire website, the, um, the store card PPI site that we built, that converts at 33%. So that's every three visitors that hit that website, it gets one lead. And it doesn't matter whether they're coming in through blog posts or through the homepage or whatever. That's the 33% conversion across the entire site. So, yeah, when you get this stuff right and when there's a really good market message match is absolutely killer most of the time you know 33 percent conversion rate or 36 percent conversion rate is just completely unrealistic so i don't want people to get sad if they've got like a 15 percent conversion rate or a 10 percent conversion rate because that might be really good in your market so it depends what you're selling and, and how compelling the thing is that you're offering but there is almost always room to in- increase the conversion rates that people are getting from their size
0: yeah definitely i think i mean i mean yeah just Doubling that conversion rate from one percent to two percent—I mean, uh, doubling the number of sales is still going to make a huge difference to a business. So you don't need those kinds of numbers in order to for it to be worthwhile for you to be doing some of this work, really.
1: Exactly. exactly. Um,
0: so let's start then um, at the beginning. So first impressions. So when somebody loads up a website, they load up the page and they, you know, have that initial first impression. That needs to be a really positive experience in order to to get somebody to. To stay on that website and then maybe spend a bit of time and then get to know you as a business so how does somebody go about doing that how do they go about giving a a good first impression
1: yeah uh, it's 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 killer and in the presentation the seminar that i was running i had a big thing on screen at this point which said volunteers needed we're going to show your website on screen i was like right we need i need some volunteers if nobody volunteers i'm going to pick on someone and we're going to rip your website apart in front of the whole audience here and you should have seen the look of fear on people's faces it was incredible. And the point was, you know, I said, I, I'm just joking, I'm not going to do that. That is another session or we'll do that at the end. But the point is, if you're not at that point, if you're scared of having your website go up in front of a room full of people, that shows, you know, you're not confident in it. You're not proud of it. You should be proud of your website. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. If you're embarrassed about something which is so important to the success of your business, then that's a really clear indication that something's not right. So the first impressions that kill out also refer back to um, our books right the how to get to the top of google is europe's best-selling seo book at some point it wasn't the first version of that book i designed the cover and it looked rubbish and nobody bought it because it looked rubbish and people <laughs> always say yeah but don't judge a book by the cover trouble is people literally judge books by their covers right because they have nothing else to go on and by exactly the same token, people judge businesses by their websites. I'm reviewing a load of sites at the moment for, from this show. And, you know, you can't help thinking, oh, this business is tiny. This business is rubbish and small. You look at some other pages on the site and you realize, actually, do you know, what? this company has worked with some monster, monster companies. This is, And it turns out that they're one of the, you know, one of the UK's leading whatever's. And But the impression that they give on the website is that this is it's poorly optimized you can't really even tell what they're doing. The pictures are low quality and you can't help but judge that business based on those those kind of first impressions. So there's a piece here about layout, but it's also look and feel. It's also the text that you use. There's loads of stuff. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that's that's a really important point. I mean, I I've definitely been doing the same thing. Obviously, I've been doing some of the reviews from the the marketing expo as well. It is I find it quite can be quite hard sometimes. Obviously, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt in in saying, you know, how is the business working? You know, are you doing the right kinds of things? And but getting over that initial first impression can be quite difficult. And I think that that's something that m- that customers, if they're looking to spend money, they're probably not going to. Going to bother with that? They're just gonna just gonna leave that page. They're they're not going to bother getting over that first impression. Whereas you know, obviously, we're trying to we're trying to help these people. And sometimes you know you have to get past that first impression in order to to see what the uh, you know the, the good parts of that business are. Really,
1: exactly. The cut the their customer has ten tabs open. Some of the sites look amazing. Some of the sites look rubbish. They're not there to give constructive feedback and and to look for the good in these sites. They're thinking if I choose this business, is my boss going to fire me? Are these guys risky? Are they well established? Do they look like they're good at what they do? Do they deliver on time? Is the service good quality? Is the product good quality? And they're not going to go, oh yeah, their website looks terrible, but maybe they're really good here, let me dig around. It's just how we how we judge people in real life, right? If someone comes up to you and they look shifty and they are, you know, say, you know, if you've got the time, mate, or if you've got a cigarette, you're like head down, walk on. You don't start engaging with them. Oh, maybe he's okay. Maybe these, they're not going to mug me or whatever. You're just first impressions count. We're all programmed to judge people and businesses and books by first impressions. And your website is 100% of the first impression that you put across if people don't already know you.
0: Okay so so we've discussed you know why this is such an important thing to get right why that first impression matters quite so much what are some sort of specific things that people can look at you know do their website need updating with some specific things and um, a sub question from that as well I'm interested to know do you think that that the things that we're going to talk about now the things that they need to improve do you think people need to be a web developer in order to to do that do they need that level of technical knowledge or or is this something that that people can sort of do in their spare time as well?
1: Okay, so the things that people should look at. Obviously, the design of the site, right? Really, really important. We, when we're designing a site or when we're recommending that people get a new site built, we say you should be gunning for the best looking site in your market. There is no reason to take second best at all. It doesn't cost significantly more to get a really well, beautiful design site done than it does, you know, something which is which is hideous and, and difficult to use. So. Aim for the best looking site in your market. That's obviously, you know, subjective, but at least make sure that you and the people around you agree that that you've got the best looking site in your market. There's a really big piece here about how easy it is to navigate. If someone's struggling to find the information that they need on your site, because the menu, you know, we showed one, one site which had 28 different menu options. So a visitor lands on that page, they're being asked to do work, do at least a one minute's worth of work just to dig through the menu options to see if it's right for them. What's their first impression? Right, this business is difficult to work with. So the menu needs to be really clean, easy to use, It has to take people's information that they need as quickly as possible. It has to be mobile friendly. A recent Google study came out that said 39% of people only search on mobile. 39% of Google users only search on mobile in a typical day. So if the site is not mobile friendly, that's almost four out of 10 people. You're not even gonna show up for at all. Then there's pieces about things like images. So are you just using a bunch of generic stock photos? If so, then it's really clear that they are stock photos, right? Nobody thinks that the smiling plumber with the really bright white teeth and the shiny spanner is going to come out and fix their stuff. They know it's Steve and his trousers are going to be halfway down his bum or whatever. So let's show Steve and let's give him a bit of personality instead because, you know, that it's, it's about being consistent and it's about portraying the personality behind the business, not just this clearly fake image so yeah there's a bunch of stuff here but really kind of image and layout and the pictures that you use that stuff is is most of what forms people's first impression
0: yeah, no, I think I think that's nice and succinct. And and the follow up question, like I say, I want to know, you know, do you think that these things require a, a web developer to, to do them? Or do you think these are things that people can do for themselves for their own business? You, you mentioned sort of, you know, you might need to pay in order to, you know, to get a good website for your market. Yeah, is it, is it always the case that you've got to sort of pay extra for that? Or is it the case that you can work at it and
1: do it yourself? Do you think? It depends on the person. I mean, Look, here's the deal. Most people wouldn't consider designing their own flyers, or they wouldn't consider designing their own expo stands. But yeah, they'll have a good crack at their website. Well, what's the sense of that? You might get 1000 people seeing your flyers, you might get 100,000 people a year seeing your website. (laughs) So it, it, it depends. If you're able to design something which looks really good and looks the best in your market, then cool, definitely do it. Save the money, put that money elsewhere. But if you're not, then get someone who knows what they're doing. Don't just get The web developer around the corner who's good at code get someone who understands marketing that's super important and just get them to design a site i'm not saying you have to go with exposure ninja or anything like that just get someone who's got a good track record of designing good looking sites and clearly understands the marketing piece it's it's worth doing because you and i know people spend a ton of money advertising sites which don't look very good and they'd be much better off spending some of that money on getting the site right first and then all the traffic that they send is going to be much more likely to convert
0: no, that's a that's great. That's a good answer, definitely. You know that that initial first impression is is all about you know how the website looks and, and that kind of thing. Mobile friendliness. Make sure it looks good on mobile. Uh, make sure that you've got you know I- re- real images and not stock, not stock photos. The next thing that we've that we've got is we need to be triggering a "this is for me" response within the first few seconds of of landing on that page. So. Yeah, can you tell me a bit about what that what that is and and how we do
1: that? Cool. So imagine that your website visitor is Homer Simpson, right? right? That's the sort of intelligence level that we're building a site for, and it's not saying you know people always say yeah, but my customers are really clever, my business my business is really technical, so my customers understand imagine that it's homer simpson right because even if your customers are really clever and really technically minded they're busy they've got a thousand tabs open the baby's crying cat's been sick their boss is calling them in uh they had an argument with their spouse this morning you know whatever so people are not in a vacuum when they're looking at the website so this initial this is for me response is really really important there are three main questions that the website needs to ask And it's really important that we're not just thinking about the homepage here, we're thinking about any page on your site. But the three questions, firstly, does this business do what I need them to do? So this is a really general ballpark question. Am I even in the right place? The second question is, is this business right for me? So once they've identified that the business does what they need them to do, let's say the business sells shoes, great. Is this, are they right for me is a kind of qualifying question. So do they sell the type of shoes that I'm looking for? are the delivery terms agreeable with me? Do they serve my market? So this is a kind of pre-qualification question. As long as they get yeses in their head to those two questions does this business do what I need? And are they right for me? The third question is what makes them better or different than their competitors? So this is like a logical justification for the emotional choice that they've made through the first couple of questions. And this is about things like testimonials, case studies, just clear benefit statements, which say exactly why somebody should choose your particular business instead of all of your competitors. Um, And it's really important that no, most people think, okay, cool. So we'll get the homepage done, we'll get a nice clear headline which answers these questions, and then we're good. And then there's subpages they don't really spend much attention on. But one of the things that we we, we saw in the show was um, just looking through some analytics stats and, and using the Exposure Ninja site as an example. Actually, only 24% of our website traffic comes in through the homepage. So you've got traffic coming in through all of the different pages on your site. Your subpages might even be getting more incoming traffic than for example your homepage. so if your sub pages require any prior knowledge of your business at all in order to make sense then they're going to be underperforming right these sub pages need to act as completely standalone pages they need to be legitimate entry points for someone into your website so they need to answer those questions as well we need to imagine that somebody knows nothing about your business at all by the time they land on that subpage and that subpage is going to answer all of those questions just as your homepage would
0: yeah no that's a really good point i mean i think i i want to emphasize that just how important that is that the landing page you know Every page on your website is ideally going to be a landing page is going to be designed with that in mind. It's especially important when you know you just take a couple of examples. So, you know, if if you if you're a plumber and you're and you're advertising your services and you say, you know, you've got a page that explains about how you fix taps and you've got a page that explains about how you install a new bathroom. People, if they're typing on Google, they're not gonna and some of them are gonna be typing, you know, plumber in my area. Other people are gonna be, I want somebody to install a bathroom in my area. And if somebody typing that into google they're not going to land on your hand page they're going to land on that bathroom specific page so so that page needs to explain you know, just as much as your homepage does why you're the best person for that job. You know, and if you take an an e-commerce example as well, I mean, a big sort of e-commerce website might sell, you know, shoes, bags, you know, tops, trousers, you know, all different types of clothing. And it's, and somebody's not just going to be searching for, you know, nice clothing on Google, are they? People are going to be searching for, you know, uh you know the the a specific type of shoe are they going to be searching for you know a, a fancy bag or whatever it might be they're going to those are the kinds of things that people are going to be doing so the those individual landing pages that are you know this page is all about handbags this page is all about tops those pages need to explain just as much as the homepage why you're a good fit why those people should be purchasing from you so yeah landing pages
1: shoot every page is a landing page Every page is a landing page. And exactly the same as, as with your homepage, you know, there should be a clear call to action on every single page as well. We don't expect that people are going to go to the contact us page. If you expect that people are going to take the initiative to do that, then you're going to lose a bunch of them because they're not going to use their initiative. So clearly set the scene, give them the content they need, ask for the whatever, ask for the sale, ask for the lead whatever it might be, all on that one page. And that means like, you know, when you're running some Facebook ads, you don't have to build a separate landing page for it because that product page or that service page is already a perfectly acceptable landing page. So let's just build all of the pages on your site as if they are pay-per-click landing pages. Why wouldn't you do that? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I mean, when you think about it, what are we trying
0: to achieve when we're creating a a specific landing page versus just a page on a website? well i mean what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase the conversion rate so that the traffic to that site that page isn't wasted and really that's something that you want to be doing for for any website and any web page it's doesn't, it doesn't doesn't need to be specifically designed around some kind of traffic campaign for that to be to be worthwhile so yeah 100% one thing that i just wanted to pick up on is the first thing which you mentioned um so the three questions which a page needs to answer so Uh, you mentioned, is this business right for me? And, you know, people will, you know, understand you know if I'm a plumber I need to explain that I'm a plumber people if I'm a if I'm a solicitor I need to explain that I deal with these types of case cases and that kind of thing one thing that people seem to miss quite often that I just want to really highlight is location specific information so the amount of businesses which which you go onto their website and you say okay you're a plumber that's that's fantastic so we know that you know if I want plumbing I'll come to you well where are you based how far are you willing to travel are you in my area or not so if you can't find that information on the homepage that's something that you, yeah really i just want people everybody to be doing this 100% of the time yeah location specific
1: information always consider if this is something you need to be targeting definitely and even if even if you're not a local business even if you just serve say the uk or the us as a whole then there still needs to be some kind of visual cue on every single page that that is the market that you're targeting, right? Whether that's your phone number being really prominent, say, in the header so people can see and they can see a a country code that they recognize or whatever. But yeah, super important for every business, not just local businesses. So
0: last thing I just want to ask you about on, on this section before we move on. I imagine that there might be some people out there that are thinking, well, that's you know, these these this information is fine. This this advice is is fine if you're just you know selling widgets or you're you're a plumber or something like that. It's a nice simple service. I imagine there's going to be quite a few people out there thinking, well, what if I have got a, a business which is uh, complicated? So there's quite a lot of different stuff we do. There's too much information for me to to put all on onto one page on the homepage. We offer lots of different add-ons and extras and and stuff like that. Do you think that that's an excuse? Do you think there are businesses out there which which don't have to follow? these rules or do you think they're just not trying hard enough?
1: There shouldn't really be any businesses that you can't explain what you do and for whom in one sentence even Amazon you know you could have a pretty good go at it but if people are selling lots of different types of things I mean the first thing to note is if people are selling lots of different types of things the traffic that comes through to any one of their service or product pages is going to be qualified for the content on that page right so it's just really important that you Restate exactly what they're on that page for, what that page is about and the reasons that you, what, that it makes sense to deal with you um, for that particular product or service. If they're coming into a homepage, some things that you can do is you can um, have like product category buckets that are quite visible on the homepage. So you can just have uh, maybe a couple of products from each of your different categories or even just one product from each of your different categories and the kind of grid of the different categories of products that you sell. So e- even without having to do too much reading, people can just see, oh, yeah, cool. I can see that they sell shoes. I can sell- see that they sell t-shirts or whatever I can see they sell adhesive tape you know whatever it might be so having kind of pictures of products is, is quite a good way to to trigger that recognition because the other thing that you're doing on a particular e-commerce is you're just trying to get people through to the right product categories as quickly as possible so those category buckets can be uh, can be really useful for that.
0: No, that's great. Right. Let's, let's move on then. So the next thing that we want to do, we've managed to get somebody to uh, land on the page. They decided that this, this product is for them. What they need next is that customer needs a strong call to action to tell them what it is that you actually want them to do. What is, what is the action that that you as a business owner hope that they're going to take at this point? Um, a lot of people miss, miss out this step. So yeah, give us an example, if you can, of a, of a, of a, of a nice succinct call to action and, and then you, if we could have some information about why it's quite so important to, to do this step as well.
1: Yeah, cool. So we've been doing a lot of reviews for the from the, from the show and, and a lot of those, the sites are B2B and all of them pretty much say, we want more leads from our websites. And you have a look at the traffic, they're getting pretty good traffic, they're just not getting any leads at all. Like a lot of sites are totally zeroing and you go on the site and it's because they're not asking their visitors to do anything whatsoever. It's like they've literally taken the brochure from their reception area, they've opened up each page, they've taken a photo of the page and they've just put it on the internet and they're like, sweet, let the leads roll in. And the trouble is that when someone lands on that page, yes, they might be able to read a bit of information. They might even, if they're really clever, be able to decide that this business is right for them. But the trouble is without some really compelling call to action which tells them what they need to do next again we're coming back to relying on their on them using their own you know their own initiative to dig out the contact information to contact you and say hey can I please buy this thing well that's really tough to, to make people do you know what we really need to be doing is we need to be offering some kind of like we always talk about some kind of free consultation if it, if you're selling products uh, i'm on a site right now these guys at swiftpack.co.uk and uh, they sell various different types of products their call to action at the moment is talk to Swiftpack. okay so what can we do to make that a bit more compelling well if they're bu- if someone's going to be buying in bulk maybe we say you know get a get a quote for your order or start up a trade account or you some you know some some really exact thing which clearly takes people to the to the you know closer to their goals so there's a few elements of the of the perfect call to action but the first stage is just to get make sure that everybody knows that every single page on your site has one goal right it's to generate a lead or sale and that's call to action that thing asking them to become a lead or a sale needs to be the most visible element on the site there is no Two ways about it. That needs to be hitting them straight between the eyes. They need to be completely blind to miss your calls to action. And quite often on the site, people just bury it in the footer or just don't have one at all. It's crazy. <laughs>
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, so, so call to action should be hugely visible. I mean, this is this is the action you want them to take. They should be able to immediately notice what that action is that you want them to do. Um, if they if they're not if they're unsure at all, then then you're not doing your job as as a as a business owner you're not asking them for the sale so yeah 100 yeah,
1: percent. it's kind of like it's the guy at the school disco right you're dancing all right away on your own in the corner and then your mate comes up and is like oh yeah should we go and talk to those girls and you're like nah, nah i'm just gonna play it cool over here they'll come to me if they want me but it just doesn't happen people are thinking yeah but if people really want us they'll come and contact us Some of them will, but it's only the really, really super hot people that will come to you. The rest, they're waiting for you to tell them what to do because they've got all those tabs open, they're all busy. Just give them something simple that they can do right now, move the relationship forward, make the sale, and just keep going
0: yeah and um and to continue that analogy of the of the school disco you know why would you not go and approach the hot girl well because approaching that that girl is scary so and in the same way you know if somebody wants to you want somebody to to go onto your contact form and to and to fill in their details well that's quite scary for them like if you make that process as easy as possible if you're if you're you know starting that conversation then then they don't have to worry about it they just get the the nice easy part of reacting to what you're doing so you know starting that conversation for them is is a much better idea than just leaving them to start that conversation.
1: Exactly. And this ties into the next tip, which is to make your call to action something that is so compelling, they can't refuse it. So you're completely right. Most people will say, you know, if you're interested in any of our products, or if you inquire today, and then they'll have their contact form, and it's like inquire now, like, what's going to happen now? I'm going to stick my details in someone's going to phone me up and pitch me. Right, I'm going to get a call from the sales team. When I mean, you even sometimes see the call to action being talk to the sales team or call sales or email sales at whatever. It's like, who wants to call sales? Right? <laughs> Which, all I want is a solution to my problem. So if instead the call to action was something like, find out how we can reduce your costs in x or download our guide to x or request the price guide or something like that where it's really low commitment we can do it it's not scary we know exactly what's going to happen because they're saying once you fill in our contact details we'll be in touch at a convenient time to whatever whatever." Um, so it's just about kind of removing the risk removing that fear and uncertainty and just making it really compelling i have actually got an example which we can talk through about this you know that there's a uh, there's a certain legal firm that we've been working with right their website we know converts at 3.6 percent which is okay which is pretty good um the call to action on their site is start my claim right and that's the one that they use all across the site and they to be fair they have it really prominently and they shout about it which is great and it's clearly the goal of every page but start my claim is a really forward scary thing for somebody to do because we're asking that person to have already assessed that yes I have a valid claim and the second thing we're asking them to say is that this company is definitely the company that they want to start the claim with well that's a pretty scary thing to that's a lot of commitment isn't it because Well, what if I don't have a claim? What if my claim is actually, you know, not legitimate at all, and they're just going to laugh at me, and then I'm going to feel stupid and embarrassed? We've got another site, the site that's converting at over thirty-three percent, and that just says, "Find out how much you could claim." Right? So it's pretty much exact. It's offering exactly the same thing. It's just rewording it. Find out how much you could claim instead of start your claim. So on the "find out how much you could claim," oh, that sounds good. I'd love to find out how much I could claim. There's no pressure there. There's no risk of looking stupid at all. You just fill in some details, and someone's going to tell you how much money you could claim. It's a lot lower risk. It's it's a uh, higher perceived value and lower risk, which is exactly what you want from a from a good call to action.
0: And um, I think another thing that's that's quite important just to pick up on in regards to a good call to action versus a and you know an okay one. Obviously, I, I mentioned earlier that a call to action you want as a business owner you want somebody to take the action that you're interested in them taking it but that's not really the way that you want to phrase this call to action so buy my stuff is is not a great call to action at all because nobody's that excited about parting with their money what they are excited about is getting a a, a cool item getting whatever it is that you that you're selling so you know purchase your purchase these awesome things today is is a much better call to action because you're explaining the benefit to that consumer it's Exactly the same with things like "inquire now" or or, um, "or call us today" or "contact sales." You know, that's that's that is what you, as a business owner, want those people to do. You want those people to get in contact with your sales team, but they don't really want to speak to the sales team. What they want is, is the solution to their problem. So if you can phrase that call to action as the solution to the problem, you're going to get a much better result. So if you can say, our sales team will help you with your query, then you know it's the same thing. It's, it's exactly the same information that's being conveyed, but you're explaining the benefit to that customer rather than focusing on the benefit to you as a business owner. And, and that's really what a good call to action can do. Um, to me, that's yeah, exactly, that's exactly what that law firm does isn't it The the difference between that three percent and that 33 percent is you know all they're all they're doing is is highlighting the benefit to the customer rather than highlighting the benefit to the company
1: exactly exactly and that's why a free consultation will typically win against inquire now because a free consultation cool so i'm going to get some information like one of the i think probably one of the best worded ctas let me just find it one of the best worded CTAs, I think, that that we've personally written is, is on a particular solicitor's site and the call to action isn't. Um, we see a lot of people who, who say, you know, solicitors start my claim, right? This one says, request a free no obligation consultation, enter your details below and we'll be in touch to arrange a convenient time for a phone, Skype or in-person consultation at no charge or obligation. Okay, and this site shouldn't convert. The only reason this site converts is because that call to action is really compelling. So free and it's no obligation. So there's no commitment, there's no risk there. And then we say, enter your details below and we'll be in touch to arrange. Okay, so I know exactly what's gonna happen. It's not scary. Someone's not gonna immediately contact me and try and pitch me or be phoning me while I'm at work, or whatever. We'll arrange a convenient time for a phone, Skype or in-person consultation. So I've got three different methods there. Whatever works for me is great um, at no charge or obligation. So I can get some free advice. Great. Another thing that the solicitors will do often is offer a case assessment. Well, that's really good as well, because that's kind of, you know, do you even have a case? That's something. And and it's important to say that this is all stuff that, that these businesses would have to do anyway. Like you can't, have a solicitor's firm you can't be working with a solicitor's firm unless they've done some sort of case assessment with you so this consultation this free thing at the start is often just the initial discovery that you have to do as part of doing business anyway it's just labeling that as something which is a bit more compelling and not calling it the sales team calling it the consulting team or the case assessment team or you know something else like that I mean, personally, I don't really think there's any particular use for the, the phrase sales team on a website at all, really. I don't think you should label people sales at all. They're consultants or they're helpers or, you know, label them something which has value to the customer, not sales.
0: Yeah, exactly that. It's about using the, the language that the customer's interested in, not the language that the, uh, the business owner's interested in. I think that's exactly what the, the same kind of thing we're talking about a minute ago in regards to call to action. I mean, so so just so people are aware that we're, we've now moved on to the fourth of the five things that we're covering in this in this podcast episode. So we're looking at, you know, make them an offer that they can't refuse. So having a really good offer is the next step. So so having that call to action visible is, is the first thing. And then ha- having a decent offer, which um, people actually are interested in taking. That's the uh, the next tip that we've got there, just so people are aware. One thing that I wanted to highlight that you mentioned there is the fact that we're getting uh, sort of further down the, um, well, we're starting at the top of the sales funnel rather than starting halfway down. What I mean by that is, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, somebody that just says, you know, start my claim today, you know, they have to already make the decision that this is the business they want to go with and they have to make the decision that they have a claim, Um, you know, whereas people might not feel that they're in that position. If we can start nearer the top of the sales funnel just with just with getting them interested, just with giving them some information, then then that's going to capture more people and that's going to result in more sales for your business. So, yeah, this this offer stage, I think one important thing that we want to highlight really is that if you can start nearer the top of that sales funnel, then you're going to get better results because you're going to be able to capture more people in in your funnel, really. So that's that's the kind of thing that
1: I want to just take away from that. Yeah, and, and the point of the website is rarely to sell the service, is it? The point of the website is to start the conversation. Mo- a lot of service businesses, you're not going to, you know, you're going to have to talk to someone, you're going to have to have some sort of communication, whether it's email, whether it's automated email, phone or in person. So the website is not there to, if you sell websites like we do, our website is not there to sell websites at all. Our website is just, let us do a free review for you. We'll show you some stuff. If you're interested, we can talk about websites. If we were trying to sell websites from our site, it would just be completely pointless because no one's going to buy a high ticket item like that without having some kind of personalized conversation. And it's the same for a lot of companies they think that their websites they're a brochure for their services they're really not the entire point of your website is just to generate a lead so that you can have a conversation with people
0: exactly that yeah it's it's all about the lead generation it's not about getting the sale on the website i think that is a really key point i mean if you think about it it's kind of obvious because you know if what would a website look like if the if the goal was to actually like you say sell, sell our website services or sell our marketing services. Well, we'd need to give a lot more information on the website in order to do that. There's a lot of information that people that we gather during the consultation phase. And if we were going to be yeah, selling those services through the website, we'd need to give all that information on the website. The reason we don't do that is because that, that process just doesn't work. People aren't ready for that information. They would just be overwhelmed. People would just be turned off. So all the website is trying to do is encourage people Hey, get in touch, and then we can discuss this further when you're sort of in that space, when you know what's happening a bit better. So, yeah, there's no there's no point in sort of focusing on that sales option. Um, obviously, this is a bit different for a, for an e-commerce business. There, obviously, you are trying to get the sales. But if you're if you're a service business, then really what you're interested in is you're interested
1: in leads and not in sales. But even e-commerce, people think that lead generation doesn't really apply to e-commerce, but it it really can. Like. Whether it's some kind of offer to bump them over the edge with their first order, so a significant enough discount that it's compelling, or whether there's some low price item that you can give people initially, if you're selling stuff in, in fairly large volume, can you give them a, an initial trial that, that's kind of low, low price enough that they can, they'll be happy to take that risk? Yeah, I mean, just the, just the concept of a loss leader is a yeah. you know, perfect example of how
0: an e-commerce business, you know, that loss leader really is, is a uh, is a lead generation technique. All they want, front, they're not trying to make money by selling that loss leader item. They're trying to get you in
1: the door. Exactly. If you viewed your e-commerce site as the, the job of your e-commerce site is to just get you qualified customers as cheaply as possible, you may well decide that one of the most pro- popular products you're going to sell, like, you know, the supermarket and the milk, you're actually going to sell at cost or whatever. The goal is just to get a customer. You can drive traffic to it. You know, it's going to convert super high because you got a lower price compared to all your other stuff. Once you got that customer, you know they're going to buy a bunch of other stuff. So the point of the site is just to generate a customer, right? It's exactly the same as uh, exactly the same as a service business. Yeah, and the, I
0: mean the other element as well is um, that you want somebody to make that initial purchase, and you're willing to offer a discount because once they've had a have had that initial purchase as an e-commerce business, they're they're much more likely to come back. You know, they've already created an account on your website. They already know what kind of stuff you stocked because they saw a bunch of stuff last time, and they're also seeing your emails probably about you know stuff that's uh you know in season at the moment and all that kind of thing. So you know. All you're really interested is to is to get that person to create that account to to sign up to to have a look through the website. Once they've done that, you know they're you know that's the lead generation for an e-commerce business, and then that's when you start focusing on actually sort of making a decent value, volume of money out of it out of that customer. That's why you know huge discounts can still work. You know even if it's even if it's you know at, basically bringing your products down to cost for that first initial product
1: yeah just work out how much a customer is worth to you and then you know you should be happy to do it if you're spending let's say you're spending 20 pounds cpa to try and get someone who in, in seller products which has a you know 10 pound markup well what if you just reduce that to like three pounds maybe you'd be able to spend significantly less Per acquisition, in order to get the customer, so you know it might just make pure commercial sense anyway. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, last thing then that we just want to cover: uh, credibility
0: devices. What we're looking at here is, you know convincing somebody that that your business is the right one to be purchasing for so what is it that gives a website
1: uh, a credibility what what kind of things can we include on there so things like testimonials case studies images of logos of companies that you've worked with particularly if they're recognizable but not necessarily so yeah i mean any any signs that people have chosen you and that they've been happy with the choices Right. Particularly if those people are similar to your target customer. So the the ultimate reaction that we want is someone lands on the website and they can see, yes, lots of people like me have made this decision. And looking back on that, they are happy with it. That's really what we want to do. So then it's just about how do we get that across? So moving testimonials to the top of the page. There's a study on Kissmetrics blog, which says moving testimonials to the top of the page can increase conversion rate 34%. Uh, something on the VWO blog which said adding a review widget to an e-commerce product page can increase sales by 58.28 percent we know from the conversion optimization episode of the podcast that we had adding video to e-commerce pages in some cases can increase uh, conversion rate of those product pages by 30 percent. so it's just about kind of bringing in signs that other people have have trusted you and and that they're happy with that choice
0: yeah and I mean one thing that I think that's you know Quite, quite big at the moment, and I'm sure is only gonna become a bigger part of this kind of marketing in terms of credibility, is things like social media. So people being able to talk about their experiences with a company, people, people being able to see that entire conversation with a, with a company playing out in social media platforms, can be absolutely massive in terms of the credibility that that gives that company yeah and and it's not that hard to get some of that information back on your website once you've had those conversations over in in facebook or twitter or wherever it might be so yeah to me that is a really big credibility device that i think is only going to become a, a bigger source of credibility as, as time kind of goes on as well
1: yeah you're right it's like the, it's just the public conversations that you have with people isn't it there was a, a really interesting case study on uh on, on the betfair one of Betfair's landing pages. Um, they just had a standard landing page. You know, obviously people like Betfair driving huge amounts of traffic, all of this this gambling stuff, you know, cost per acquisition could be anything from 25, 50, 100 pounds. So th- they're really ruthlessly optimizing these landing pages. And they just split tested um, one option on the landing page, which had a little logo and said bet on mobile and talked about their mobile app. And then they split tested another option where just in the same place, they just had a big like icon and just said 121,558 likes. And it's just basically piggybacking on the popularity of their Facebook page, just making that tiny tweak in the bottom right hand corner of the page, added a 7% lift in conversions to that page. And that's mental, you know, these guys are testing ridiculous numbers of variables. And it's just showing that, hey, we got some fans on Facebook. That's all. It's just, hey, these people like us. We can't be so bad, right? <laughs> and um, I was reviewing a, a solicitor site the other day, and they had over four thousand likes on Facebook, but they didn't have any indication on their website that they had this number of likes. And for a solicitors' company, that's pretty good. So if I was choosing a solicitor, that would be a massive vote of confidence that these guys are a. They're well established, right? They're a fairly sizable company, and B that enough people like a solicitors to like them on Facebook, that's a pretty significant vote of confidence. So yeah, you're totally right. These these kind of social indicators, they're they're difficult to fake. Which also makes them more trustworthy, and
0: that is one thing, isn't it? That you often think about the
1: testimonials.
0: You are just like, is the, is this testimonial real, or was this written by somebody in the copy department? Whereas social media is a lot harder to uh, to to fake that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, it can be done. I mean, you, a lot of landing pages and stuff that, particularly in the internet marketing world, where what they'll do is they'll Photoshop little. Um, Photoshop little Facebook comments and they're blatantly fake right (laughs) but the thing is you know they're fake if you see actual embedded messages on the page and you can click through the name and you can see that person's profile you can see they're legit then yeah it's huge that's that's a public declaration that this person likes your business which is just you know, you can't really get any more powerful than that unless it was a video, unless they were standing in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing that we've got in the credibility devices
0: section, we've got images of people. Yeah, wh- what's that all about? If, if
1: when you're looking at sites, really interesting to, to, to notice the impact that the images of people have. If you show a website and in the banner, there's, you know, lots of people. it has the same effect as looking into a busy restaurant Right. So you're seeing people. So that's just like a, a little subconscious thing that says, oh, there's people here. Right. If it's just completely empty and it looks stark. Well, that also gives you a bit of an impression about the business. So this is just the uh, this is just the impact of using faces on on websites and, and particular, particularly when you're trying to um, and any time you're asking for somebody to trust you, it's a good idea to have a face there. So, uh, yeah, a little something to test
0: yeah yeah definitely i mean that it always seems more trustworthy if there's yeah other people that are sort of interested in it in the same way it's i mean it's it is the the social proof isn't it in the same way that people talking about it on facebook is yeah it's weird that that but that works
1: it is but humans are so illogical and flawed that all of these things work I mean, we shouldn't really even have to be talking about conversion optimization because we should be all completely efficient at judging every business purely on its merits and on nothing emotional or subconscious. But hey, we're all so flawed. We're all just Homer Simpson, right? And Homer Simpson's just an impulsive animal, so <laughs> we've got to play <laughs> up to that.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and uh, you should read all of those ten tabs that you've got open before making that purchase decision. But you know, you're not going to. Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover today. So those are the five ways that you can increase the leads and sales on your website without spending a penny on advertising. So hopefully you've got some some useful tips there. Hopefully you've got some ideas about things that you should be changing on your website. There's a lot for pretty much every type of business, whether it be e-commerce or if it be service business. So I'm sure there's going to be something in there for you. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Exposure Ninja podcast, then please do leave us a review over on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. If that's iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, then uh, yeah, please do leave us a review. If you're um, yeah, interested in uh, seeing how Exposure Ninja can help your business, then go over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and you can get your free marketing review from there. Yeah, we'd be happy to tell you if you're doing all of this stuff right already or if there's some stuff that we can help with.